0: Epic! I love that. I forgot how epic that was. So uh, today we're going to start a series in the Book of Revelation. Now, um, this is a 45-week series. We, we've already set aside 45 weeks. Now, before you just like are you know like what are you talking about? Uh, we are going to split that up, so it's going to take a while. We're going to give some breaks and some uh, some. Uh, we're going to do like five weeks, and then we got another series and some of those things. But we are going to be in the Book of Revelation for a while. We want to give adequate time to it. It's not something we want to rush through. And so uh, we uh, are excited about uh, this series called Seven, uh, a study in the Book of Revelation. And uh, and so let me jump in. Uh, before I just ramble for no reason. So you may ask the question, why study? Why study the book of Revelation? Why, why do a series on that? Why spend 45 weeks? Why care? Why, why should we do that? Well, number one, it's Scripture. It's God's Word. And we need to understand it and know it. Not only that, but it's Scripture about Jesus, So as Jesus followers, we should want to know everything we can know about Jesus in every way that he's been revealed in Scripture. We should want to know these things about our Savior, our Lord, our conquering King. Now, not only that, this is just one, this is number one, but it's Scripture, it's Scripture about Jesus, and it's Scripture about Jesus we don't necessarily see Anywhere else in Scripture, only glimpses, we get to see Jesus in his, all His glory, in the fullness of His glory in the book of Revelation. We see Him in a way we, we can't see Him. If we only study every other book of the Bible, we won't see it the way we see it here. Number two, why study the book of Revelation? Number two, many think aspects of Revelation are happening Today, What I mean by this is that we have assumptions and even things that we've been taught to see the things around us assuming that those are in some re, uh, way related to or correlate to what is, is prophesied in the book of Revelation. And they may. I'm not saying at this point one way or the other whether they are or not. What I'm saying is that we oftentimes will state, or people will state things, oh, this is the end times, and this is the book of Revelation coming to fruition, and all that. So if that is being stated, if that is being said, let's evaluate. Let's look and see if that's true. And so that's being said a lot. There's a lot of things that are of concern to us. That many people assume and think could be related to the end times and Revelation, which they certainly could. I'm not making any statement one way or the other, but that's why we study it so that we can know what it actually says, so that we we can evaluate what is and is not a part of the Book of Revelation. The third thing is that God has been urging me to study and to preach. Revelation. In fact, God has been urging me to do that before I even became your pastor, and I just say no. So, um, And so God has finally said, yes, you will. What, I hope you know this about me and our team and everything that we do. We don't do anything just because, of, hey, that sounds fun, let's do it. God leads us to these things. We spend time in prayer. We don't just enter into message series or songs that we sing or um, 2022 ministry plans without having prayerfully considered what it is that God wants us to do. I hope you know that. In fact... I, I don't want you to think I'm a pastor reluctantly. I'm not. But I became a pastor because God called me to it. And oftentimes I question his... If it, uh, are you sure, God? Are you, are you sure me? Why would you use me? So I didn't get into this thing because I want, like, hey, this, I have all these ideas and people should know my ideas. No, in fact, I'm like... Who in the world would want to sit and listen to me week after week? Which, not I mean, if that's you, please don't leave. I mean, stay. But... I mean, I've seriously asked those questions. That's not why I do anything that I do. I do this because I have a strong sense that the Lord has called me to this, that He's called me to this book and this passage, and, and really every series that we will do this year. God urged me to preach it, and so that's number three reason. But I also think we need to lay some ground rules because the book of Revelation could go in so many different uh, directions. So let me state what this study is not. What this 45-week series over two years is not. This is not an answer key to the book of Revelation, to the biblical code. This is not, this means this, and that means this, and you should, this is this thing exactly. This is not meant to be, let's go dive in and figure out all the secrets and try to know them. People have been debating those for a long time. I'm not smart enough to know all those things, okay? So that's not, it's not an answer key to this mysterious book of Revelation. We will dig deep, we will dig under, but let me just say, there's so much there that 45 weeks is inadequate to get to every minute detail of Revelation. So, this is not that. Number two, what well, this is not, I don't know if I will ever, in the entire study, tell you the exact view that you ought to have of Revelation. Number one, there's a lot, and it's very confusing. Uh, what, what are people's views of the millennia? What's people's view of the tribulation? When will it happen? Pre, post, mid? I don't. We're not going to get into all that. All right? We're not going to. I don't know that I will ever ascribe a certain view to say this is what we should believe and, and I should believe. A, a joke among. <laughs> ministers oftentimes and it's been my go-to for a long time cuz people will ask you those things and honestly I don't know and so I just say well I'm a I'm a pan millennialist right you probably have heard that it's all going to pan out in the end so that's that's where I'm at so thank you I, I love that's twice you've ju- you've laughed at my jokes and it's only the introduction I love it so I don't know that we're going to get into you should think think of this specific thing, that specific thing. I'll share with you in a moment why. Number three, what this is not. This is not meant to cause division. It's not meant to cause division. And you may think, well, sure. I mean, why would it cause division? Listen, I was in a meeting recently with some other pastors from our area. Uh, uh, From time to time, we'll get asked to speak or I'll go to... Uh, the Association of Baptist Churches in our area. And one brother, he says, Hey, brother, what you going to preach on soon? And I said, Well, this was before the Advent series. I said, Well, we're going to do an Advent series. I explained it through the books of covenant. Yeah, that's great. And I said, Well, and then, then I'm gonna, I think, I hadn't decided fully then. We'd kind of fleshed it out, but I hadn't decided fully because th- this is a big undertaking, I think. But I said, I think I'm going to preach through Revelation. And they said, whoa, you know, like, are you serious? And I was like, well, I don't know, that's why I said I think. And uh, you know what happened immediately? And it was, it was playful, somewhat playful banter between brothers in Christ. But in that moment, it became, <laughs> it became an argument like, like that of... This guy thought this specific way. This guy held this specific view. And there's me and this other guy that are like, "Oh wow, you know, he had our experience before. I had never experienced it." And I'm like, "Maybe I should rethink preaching through the Book of Revelation." So uh, the Lord still impressed it upon my heart. So this is not meant to cause division, and I don't think it will. So the third question. So we asked the question: Why study Revelation? Two, what is what this study is not. Three, why do we, why do you and me, 2022, why do we need this? Why do we need this study? I hope that John really answers all these in the first eight verses. So I hope to answer that by reading these first eight verses. But I want you to know this. Essentially... It all comes down to Jesus. It all comes down to our Savior. It all comes down to our King. It all comes down to Jesus. Why do we need this? Because we need Jesus. Why do we need the book of Revelation to study it? Because we need to understand who Jesus was, is, and who he is to come. We need Jesus. And we need Him in every possible way that we can receive Him. In every way that He reveals Himself in Scripture, we need Jesus. And so I believe this really comes down to one thing and one primary thing alone. You and I need Jesus. And so I hope that is what we will see in this study. Would you join me if you're able by standing to read the word of the Lord, and as we've been doing, and have begun to make our practice, when I finish reading, I'll say, "This is the word of the Lord." And if you would say, "Thanks be to God," and don't just say it like, I mean, this is like, "Thank you, God." We so think, let's soak this up. This is His word, the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave Him to show His servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant John. Who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, whatever he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what's written in it. Because the time is near. John. To the seven churches in Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits from before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood. And made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, why do we need this? Number one, and first point, this is Jesus' Revelation. This is Jesus' revelation. This is Jesus' vision uh, uh, of himself, revelation of himself, unveiling of himself, uh, the appearing of himself. Look at what it says. The revelation of Jesus Christ. What does that word revelation mean? Well... It's the Greek word apocalypsis, right? So that's where we get the word apocalypse from, right? Well, apocalypse, we think, we, you know, we, we think about apocalyptical theory, uh, uh, um, th- uh, thrillers like movies and stuff. And so it's like the end of the world, right? Well, that's not even what the word, the word apocalypse means. The word apocalypse means unveiling. In fact, Peter in 1 Peter 7 uses the exact same word, which is translated appearing, appearing. So he uses the same word, apocalypsis, and so it, he, it means appearing or unveiling. So this is Jesus' unveiling, the appearing of him in all of his glory. This is a picture of Jesus in, in his majesty for us to see. Now, notice it says the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. So we, have, we see God gave this to Jesus. Jesus gave it to the angel. Angel gave it to John, and John gives it to the churches. John, let's talk about him for a moment. Who is he? And what we see is that it's debated. It's debated. But what we understand and see from from history and from knowing what took place, yeah, John didn't give a great distinction of who he was. He didn't say John the apostle, John the servant of Jesus, John the one whom Jesus loved. He didn't do any of that, why? Because when people read this, the churches that received this letter saw that it was addressed by John about Jesus, so it's not about John. And so John didn't say, hey, it's me, John, again. No, they knew who it was. They knew it was because they had a relationship with him. They had a relationship with him because it was the apostle John. It was John who followed Jesus. It was one of the 12 disciples. It was John. John wrote everything down. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, God gave this to Jesus. Jesus gave it to the angel. The angel gave it to me. And I feverishly wrote it down. It says... uh, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, verse 2, who testified to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, whatever he saw. So he's like, this is crazy. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm writing down every single detail. John laid out everything Jesus said. This is Jesus' revealing. This is Jesus' unveiling. This is Jesus's. Appearing and John sought to write it down so that it could be delivered to the churches. So, this is a letter to churches who needed to know something about Jesus that they didn't yet know or understand fully. This letter that is apocalyptical, it's an unveiling, it's a revealing, and it's also a prophecy. This book, this revelation, is by Jesus, about Jesus, for Jesus, to Jesus for our benefit. For our benefit. It is not primarily about the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, the signs and wonders. All those things are in here. And we'll get to those eventually. But this is primarily... About Jesus. It is a book that should benefit you today in your understanding of who He is so that your life today can be impacted by this amazing Lord and Savior that we have. It's not just the first three chapters, because oftentimes that's what happens. The first three chapters, oh, yeah, well, that's about Jesus, all right. But then it starts getting weird and that's about all those other things. No, this is all about Jesus all of it is about him the second thing that John shows us that answers the question why do we need this is the revelation is a blessing do you see that he talked about how it should bless us blessed is the one who reads it aloud blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who keep the prophecy we're, we're triply blessed by reading it. Many today expect the book of Revelation to kind of be somewhat of a curse. And what I mean by that, it's like that's what it's about. It's about how the world is cursed, it's about how anyone apart from Christ will be cursed. It, it, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a, a daunting task, a, a, a hard thought, and hard understanding to read this book and not come to kind of this interesting conclusion. But John says it's not meant to be viewed that way. It's meant to be viewed as something that blesses us, something that we need. John says it's a a blessing and that we're blessed when we read it aloud, blessed when we hear it, and blessed when we keep it. Receiving the full blessing of the book of Revelation requires our obedience to who? The one who reveals it, Jesus. The way we receive the blessing is through our obedience to Jesus and the one who revealed himself. You'll notice at the end of that section, it says, blessed is the one who keeps it because the time is near. This is mentioned seven times throughout the, the entire book. And it's important that the revelation is kept because our time is limited. And I would say that's true. People say, well, we're in the end times. Yeah, we are in the t- end times. We've been in the end times since Jesus went to heaven. That's what he said. I'm, the end times are here. The last days are here. He said that again and again and again and again. Yeah, we're in the end times. Yes, the time is imminent for the return of Christ. Jesus will come back, and it will be sooner than what we anticipate or can even imagine. The time is near. It's important that we understand it, receive it, are obedient to it, and that we believe in Jesus today. Today. It's important that we're obedient to Jesus and believe in Him right now. Why? The time's near. The time is near. The third question that, or the third thing that John says that answers the question, why do we need the book of Revelation, is that this was revealed to seven specific churches. This was a revelation that was given to specific people who lived in a specific place with a specific message for them for that day that would impact their lives then. Each church that is mentioned here was a real church, a real body of believers that John had charge over. Each church was a church Jesus dearly loved and had this very timely, important, dire message for them that it needed to be delivered. It was a specific church for a specific time with a specific message. Now, one of the things that's debated is when was it written? When was the church written to about this? I don't know. There's a couple of different dates that you could go to. And really, the date really does matter because it, it kind of defend, it def, it, it defends what you think about when this might have happened. Some believe some of these things already took place. Some believe they are things to come. I don't know. If it's written in about 65 AD, that kind of changes things. It may mean that some of this happened with the fall of Jerusalem. I don't know. Again, remember what I said at the beginning. I don't know that I will ascribe a certain view of any of it because that's not the point of what we need to deal with. What we need to deal with is what does it mean for today for me about Jesus and how it will affect me in the future. That does matter as well. So I don't know the date, and I don't know that I'm at a place where I can say, oh, I think it was this one, or I think it was that one. I don't know. I have one that I was taught all my life, which is the later date in about 90 A.D. But I don't know. I just think you should know that. I don't know. I've studied this stuff. I went to seminary. I took a class on it. I don't know. So, but it's about Jesus. I will tell you that. But it was, a, it, it was to bless them, that those churches, it was to bless them whenever it was written to them. So what happens, and this is why this is important, what happens in the book of Revelation, We jump, we jump into what does this mean for the future? What does this mean for the future? But we forget to realize that our interpretation should look like how we interpret any other scripture. And when we interpret any other scripture, we first start with the audience that it was written to in the day that it was written to for the purpose it was written at that time. The purpose it was written for in that moment was to reveal to them something that they needed to hear because they were in tribulation, in trial, in difficulty, and they needed to be encouraged by their Savior who loved them. That's the purpose of what it was written for that's important that's what is more important than saying well it was written at this exact time and date if they didn't ascribe that date to it then maybe it maybe we and that's why it shouldn't meant, be meant to cause division which we can talk about this and discuss it i'm i'm for that I, and one-on-one i can tell you oh, i don't know maybe i'm kind of thinking of this i have no but again i don't know and we, we've even thought about as we go into some of the deeper things and like some of what does this mean what are the trumpets and what's this and the scrolls and what's this to have some Sunday nights where we have town hall meetings so you can ask those questions and we can probably just say I don't know uh, but also say well, it might could be this it could be that we don't know so but we will have those coming out as it goes okay But at the end of the day, it was to bless these people. It was to give them um, a specific information for a specific time. The book of Revelation is unique because it, it has three structures, right? It's a letter. It's a letter written to seven churches. It's an apocalypse. It's an unveiling. But it's also a prophecy. And so that's why it can be challenging to interpret and understand. One of the things that... Uh, I learned in seminary was hermeneutical approach. Hermeneutics means just interpretation, like how you figure out what scripture means. You don't need to know the word hermeneutics. You can forget that if you want to because you might because it's kind of a weird word and one you probably haven't heard a lot. But what you learn is that you, any scripture, you go to the historical context first. You start with who, where it was written, how it was written. to. So the way my class that I took in seminary said you go to their town. You go to the biblical town. You go to their town. What was it written for the day it was written? You determine all the things that separate you from today. And that's like, uh, is it Old Testament or is it, or is it Old Covenant or New Covenant? What's the language? What was it written in? Who was it written to? Uh, culture? All those things. That's the span of the sea that kind of separates you from their town. And so what you do is you come and find a, a biblical principle in their town that you can build a bridge with. So you don't have to wade through all the stuff to get across the great span. You build a bridge. It's called the principalizing bridge. Theologians are a little dry, right? So they come up with weird things. But it's the principalizing bridge so that you can understand what needs to be said and taught and understand in your town, right? Right? So that's what I'm seeking to do. Is what benefit does this have for us today? This was written to specific churches for a specific purpose that were dealing with real tribulations, needing real encouragement to continue on to face the trials. You know what? That's something you and I can benefit from today, can't we? You and I face trials, tribulations, right? We, we, we experience things in our world where... There are some days we don't know if our religious freedom might be taken away, right? Those, those things are, are real things that we deal with. Thankfully, here lately, we've had some pretty good wins in the Supreme Court for, for, uh, uh, for faith and belief and um, freedom of religion. So, but we don't know. So we face trials and tribulations in our day, and you and I need Jesus to encourage us, to help us to see that. So that's a principle that we can carry over, isn't it? So that we can see for today that Jesus is the source of my joy, of my love. Jesus is the source of encouragement and blessing, even in the midst of the greatest trials. How do I know this is written and all of it is written to the entire, these seven churches? Because John says that. Jesus says to John in Revelation 22, 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest to these things to you for the churches. I am able to root, I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. This was written, the entire thing, from Revelation 1 to Revelation 22. Jesus is the point of this, and it was written to the churches. i got two more points. I'm going to go real quick. Jesus' covenant love should encourage us. John helps us to see that the covenant love Jesus has with us should encourage us. we talked about covenant a lot. we talked about the loyal, faithful love of Jesus for you and me. we talked about that through a whole series, five-week series. If you're just catching up and you're here for the first time, you can watch those on our website. I encourage you to do lafayettefirst.life slash watch. And you can check out those there. Because covenant love is very important. It's very helpful. And we see this covenant language in this first chapter right away, John verse 4 and following, to the seven churches in Asia. Grace and peace to you, from the one who was, who was, who is, who was, who is to come, and to the seven spirits before us thrown, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the rule of the kings of earth, to him who loves us. And has set us free from our sins, what? By his sacrificial blood. And made us a kingdom priest. We talked about that. We talked about how the kingdom and priest that you and I are, are we are his covenant representatives in our world. We are a kingdom of priests. To God and the Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, Jesus, through John, reminds us of his place as God's covenant mediator. He's the one who stands on our behalf between God and us, and us and the world. Jesus is the covenant mediator, reflecting the image of his Father in sonship. It says he's the firstborn, right? So we see that he shows us his kindness through faithful love as you and I are a kingdom and priests. This is the language of covenant God establishes throughout the entire Scripture. And this was to help us to see that we are in a covenant relationship with Him by His sacrificial blood. And this was an encouragement for these churches to see, yeah, you're facing trials. Yes, you're facing difficulties, but I love you. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'm, I'm stronger than this. I'm above this. I'm victorious over this. You see, Jesus loves us, and that should encourage us. The one, two, three, four, fifth point. Jesus reveals himself in glory and majesty. Look, he's coming with the clouds. We get a glimpse I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord. I am the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. John, through Jesus' message to him, shows us a glimpse of who Jesus is and how he will begin to reveal himself to us. And next week, hold on to your seat because it goes full force into this beautiful, glorious image of who Jesus is. But he begins here in this moment. That He is the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Everything begins and ends with Him. He was, He is, He is to come. This is Jesus in all of His glory. In all of His glory. So, Jesus shows Himself in Revelation. And this Revelation is a specific message about Jesus given first to a specific group of Christians who were dealing with persecution that needed to know that in the end, Jesus is the authority. He wins. He is victorious. And he has all things grasped in his hands, fully capable, fully holding it all together. Now, this benefits you and me today Because we are blessed, we are encouraged, and we are in awe of this Jesus, trusting that in our lives, He holds all things together and He is victorious. That's what this series is all about. That's what Jesus is all about. To let you know that He is in control and you can trust Him because He loves you. That's a message I'm excited to dig down into and see in the midst of somewhat of a controversial book. I want to see Jesus, and I hope you do too. Today, if you want to trust Jesus, today's the day you can do that. I pray that you would. I pray you would trust Him today. He's capable. He's over all things. And He shows us His love. Jesus demonstrated His love by becoming a curse for you, by dying on the cross for you his blood was spilled for you, would you trust him would you believe him today, I'd love to share with you how to do that you can text the word alive to 423 455 or I'd love it, you just came up front, I'd love to share with you and show you how to walk in Jesus to love him, to trust him and to follow Him. You can do that today. Don't hesitate. But I pray that all of us would help, would be enamored with this Jesus who loves us and has revealed Himself to us so that we can be blessed and encouraged. Would you stand with me? Would you pray with me? If God is moving your heart, you come after we pray and the song begins. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for revealing yourself in all your glory. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Help us to begin to see you in your glory and to honor you and glorify you with our lives, to walk with you, to trust you, to follow you, to live for you, to be blessed by you, to be encouraged by you. Lord, we need encouragement. We need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.